Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of It's Not All Rainbows. I'm your host, Lindsay Goodman. I'm a certified trauma recovery coach, and I'm also a survivor of abuse in a queer relationship. I'm here to help validate and support those who are or have been in my shoes and help spread awareness of what these kinds of relationships can look like. Today, I'm going to talk to you about how abusive people can use your issues against you, use your issues to control you. And by issues, I mean mental health struggles, physical problems that you might have, your childhood trauma, things like that. Um, and it can be things that you came into the relationship with, and it can be things that popped up while you were in the relationship. Before we dive in, I'll go ahead and do my struggles and successes this week. Um, a struggle is that uh, my kiddo is sick again. We've been sick a lot this year, and I feel like a lot of people can relate to this. There's just been a lot going around. In January alone, I had two fevers. Um, and yeah, we had um, some tummy bug that was going around. We both had it. Um, it's been a very yucky 2023 so far for our family. And I just feel like for a lot of people, so that's been a struggle. And if you are a parent, you know that when your kiddo is sick, they probably aren't sleeping well at night, which means you're not sleeping well at night. So bear with me if I'm like stumbling over my words and things like that. I'm just doing my best here, which I know a lot of you are as well. So, um, a success this week. Oh, a success is going to be that I think I'm just on the cusp of having 20,000, um, podcast. Yeah. 19.9 thousand podcast total plays. So we're just on the cusp. By the time you listen to this, I'll have made 20,000. And you know what? This is a little tiny podcast. And I know that, you know, some people get like millions and millions of listens in like a day or whatever. I don't know, but I am just so thankful for all of you that take your time out of your valuable, you know, tiny little amount of time that we have to ourselves each day to listen to me and what I have to say. Um, and you know, to share the podcast with your friends, I just appreciate it so much. I feel so humbled when I, you know, realize that my work means something to you. So thank you so much for being here. Um, definitely, definitely proud of, of that. So let's dive in and talk about abusers using your issues against you. I don't really like saying the word issues, but let's say like conditions or, um, I don't know, situations. So what can happen is what we see is like, say you come into the relationship and I already mentioned trauma. Your past trauma is a huge one. I've talked about this in other episodes where I believe the episode, one of the episodes where I talk about this is called don't give your abuser, um, a guidebook or don't give someone a guidebook to abuse you. Because typically what happens is they'll ask you right off the bat for your deepest, darkest trauma. They're going to make sure that you're vulnerable, um, with them and they're going to fake vulnerability with you. They're going to get that information. They're going to log it away and they're going to say in their mind, obviously I'm going to be using this against you. And sure enough, they will. Um, if you have, um, like for example, I have ADHD, um, and it's very apparent if you spend any amount of time in my personal space, um, 
I think probably a lot of you can tell just by watching me, if you're watching me on YouTube or if you've watched my Instagram stories or things like that, if you're a nerd neurodivergent, you know that I am as well. Um, but a lot of times, like my, my client that I've been working with for about two years, like I told her that I had ADHD and she was like, what? And I was like, yeah, I'm stimming like, but I'm hiding it. I'm like masking. Um, and like, you didn't notice that I always do this, this and this. And she was like, oh yeah. I'm like, yeah, because I'm forcing myself to hold my body still so that I don't look like a like wild animal while I'm interpreting for you. Um, work is one of the only places that I'm able to sort of like keep my body, like the way that society tells us we have to be. But anyway, that was like a little offshoot. I don't talk about my ADHD that much. Um, for a little bit on Instagram, but um, I came into the relationship with that. And again, as I was saying, is if you're in my space, you will know because you'll see covers left open, like a book on in the pantry, um, just things that are like in odd spaces, um, you know, uh, super organized over here, but a huge mess over there, too much of this, not enough of that, you know, like special interests over here. Just, it's very obvious. And what happens is like a lot of times when you meet somebody, um, and you have something that you're already bringing to the table, like, like ADHD or whatever else that might be. I'm going to keep using ADHD because that is an example I know. Um, they might at first say, oh, like you're so like, I love this about you. Or it's so, so funny. Like, oh my God, I'm always closing the cabinets behind you. It's so funny that you can't remember to do it, but like, they're being like sweet about it. And they're, they're definitely noticing that you have these things and they're, you know, they're, you remembering it and they're logging it away. And so then, you know, eventually in the relationship, there becomes a shift where all of a sudden this is a huge burden to them. They're taking care of you. You can't remember to feed yourself. So I always have to feed you. You can't remember to take care of your son. So I have to always have to do this. And you can't take care of the dog because you're blah, blah, blah. You have too much on your plate. I'm going to do this. All of this, of course, is used to abuse you to make you feel like you're not good enough, that you can't live without them. Um, and of course, you're a huge inconvenience to them. You're like a job. You're a chore. Even though I'm just going to say it. In my case, my abuser barely had a job. They worked a few hours a week and I actually have the same job I have now. Um, I work as a sign language interpreter. And so like, you know, it's like, oh my God, you never pick up like, why are your pants always over here? Like you, you just like take your pants off at bedtime and your pants are over here. But like at the same time, they have a huge mess over there. So they're double standards. Like they're abusing you for something that they do or they're complaining about something that you didn't do that they didn't do either. So there's a lot of that going on. Um, and it can be, I don't know, I'm trying to think of another, let's say you have a physical um, health problem. And okay, let's just say, for example, you have something that you have, okay, you have MS and you have to go and you have to get your infusions a lot. You have to get these treatments to slow the progress of your, you know, of your MS and all this stuff. This is really important. You have to do this. At first, they're driving you to your MS um, appointments. They're sitting with you while you're getting your infusion, unless it's during COVID. Um, they're so sweet. You know, they're coming when you're sick. They're helping you out when you're sick. And then again, there's a switch. A lot of times, it's a very obvious switch where the whole thing, you know, you're, you're, you fall from the pedestal. All the behavior towards you changes. But in this case specifically, all of a sudden, your MS appointments are a huge burden on them. It's getting in the way of their the rest of their life. They can't pursue this degree that they've been wanting to do because they're always having to look out for you because sometimes you don't feel well. You're having a flare up, blah, blah, blah. You're a huge burden, right? Maybe you have lupus. Maybe you have some other autoimmune issue. Maybe you have um, a bad knee from playing tennis in college and sometimes you're unable to partake in the 
weekly hike that you guys do together. I'm just making this up because probably your abuser's not doing a weekly hike with you because they're doing other stuff or whatever. I don't know. So these are just some examples, right? Where they knew you had it. They knew coming into it or very early on. And again, at first they were supportive. They were kind. They were this, they were that. But as time went on, all of a sudden it is a weapon to be used against you. It's not your fault. Um, of course, I already mentioned childhood trauma, but um, I'm going to give a little example of something that happened with, um, you know, of course, I, I would talk about my family, I would talk about my sisters, my mom, and, you know, they would ask me all these things and, you know, they would tell me their stuff, which to this day, I don't know if it's true or not. I don't know if they were making it up or if like that actually is true that that, that happened to them. I don't know. Um, a little reminder there that, you know, a lot of times when people are like, oh, I still love them. I still care about them. How can you care about someone that you don't really know? Because in my opinion, um, this is something that really helped me in my healing is that like, I didn't even know that person. I don't know what was true and what wasn't. I don't know what was alive, what was made up for empathy, um, or for whatever, for control, you know, wh what they like and don't like. I truly don't know what this person likes and doesn't like because they're picking up things from every person that they've been with and they change the thing that they like. Like, for example, we saw a huge creator get exposed online for, toxic behavior. I'll just put it that way. Cause I can't diagnose anybody, but it was like, you know, when they're talking to me, they're into moms. When they're talking to you, they're into tall, tall women. When they're talking to you, they're into girls who like to play cricket. I don't, I don't know. I'm just making this up because that's what you do. Right. So it's like, I'm going to like the thing that you are, even though I don't never noticed anything about anyone with that, but I'm going to like this. Right. And so my point in all of this is that we really don't know who they are. We don't know up from down, but they know you, they know everything about you because you're telling them because they're asking you and you trust them. They've given you this false sense of security. So you tell them your childhood trauma. And at one point I remember this was like later in the game, definitely 2021, which I call my year of leaving. No joke from probably March to October, um, February. February. February was more like a huge milestone for me to like start to wake up to what was really going on. February to October, I was trying to get out. So it was in that time frame. Um, something came up and I was hurt, um, you know, bringing something up to them or whatever. And they said to me, this is your childhood trauma. This is because you're a middle child and you didn't feel like anyone loved you. Yes, that did happen to me. And yes, I do have those wounds or I did have those wounds. I've been doing a lot of work with my childhood trauma, but this is about here and now. So they'll use your previous pain or things with a previous relationship. That's another one they would do is you're not mad at me for this. You're mad because your ex-husband did this to you. And it works because they know what your ex-husband did to you. Again, they've asked you really early on. So why did your marriage end? What did, what did you not like about it? Or like, what did they do or not do? They're asking you all this stuff so that at first they can be the thing that you wished you had in that last relationship or not do the things that you didn't like. And then they're going to do the things that you didn't like and stop doing the things that you liked. I know it's so twisted, right? And it sounds like a lot of energy. Like I'm getting tired just talking about this, but they take all these things that they know you've been through, that they know hurt you that they know you're trying to, trying to heal from, but are still getting triggered by, or still struggling with, and they're going to use those things to shirk the sort of, I was going to say responsibility, but you know, they're trying to say, this wasn't me. This has nothing to do with me. You know, mine would just be like, I'm so patient with you. I'm so loyal. I'm going to therapy with you. I'm, I'm so understanding that you have this childhood trauma versus the reality, which was I'm using your childhood trauma as an excuse to continue doing what I'm doing. 
and I'm using your childhood trauma to also push your buttons. So that's several examples of what it can look like when they're using your struggles against you that you already had. On another note, things can pop up when you're in a relationship with somebody that, you know, you didn't know you had going on before, or you get sick while you're with them and they're, they could, I'm trying not to use, they will or won't always or never, because that can be very dangerous. Um, now you're probably tracking my ADHD because I do a lot of offshoots. Um, they, sorry, using black and white language with abusive people can be dangerous because if I say an abuser will always, or an abuser will never, it can keep people in abusive relationships because they're confused. And one example of that is when I was first looking up narcissism and I said, you know, they never apologize. And I was like, well, mine has apologized, but they apologized when they needed to, because I was about to break up with them. Right. Okay. 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 But it was never a genuine apology is I'm sorry that I'm sorry. I hurt you. Um, but not like genuine. I'm sorry. You feel that way. Or I'm sorry that hurt you. Not that I hurt you. I'm sorry that hurt you. Um, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you took it the wrong way. Those kinds of things, right? But in my head, which again, when we're when when we see abusive behavior and when we see people being called out for abusive behavior, we're experiencing it. Our brains want to explain it away because we don't want to see this. We don't want to accept that this is the reality, or we don't want to accept that that really awesome person or who we thought was an awesome person is actually really horrible, right? And when it's your partner, you don't want to accept that they're horrible. You don't want them to be horrible. You want them to be who you thought they were in the beginning. So our brains are always looking for that information um, to just kind of like say, yes, this is the message and the message is still true. Um, yeah, I totally forgot what I was going to say. That offshoot just like took me down a entirely different road. But they... Okay. Let me reset. Something comes up while you're in the relationship with them that you didn't know you had before. You get diagnosed with autism. You get diagnosed with ADHD. Of course, they've already noticed these behaviors or these tendencies or these, I don't know, traits that you are displaying. Because they've noticed that you're not like them. Yes, an abusive person could be autistic or um, have ADHD or whatever. But, you know, mine didn't. They had a brain that they could complete a task before, you know, doing 40 other things which by the way, my son said to me this morning, this is like completely random, but he was like, I was like, hold on, bud, mommy's doing 20 things at once. And he's like, well, don't do it. Sit down and eat because we're eating lunch. And I was like, you're not wrong. Like why am I always doing 20 things at once? He was just like, maybe just sit down and eat mom. That's okay. But my abuser was like that. I'm going to do this. Check. Now I'm going to do this. Check. Right. And so they're noticing that you're displaying these behaviors. But my point is you get diagnosed with something physical, mental, whatever. Um, maybe you lose your job because of COVID. It could be anything like that. And all of a sudden they've got this other tool in their belt. They've got this other thing that they can use to abuse you, to control you, to guilt trip you, to make you feel like you can't live without them. You need them desperately because you've got X, Y, and Z. They're the only person who knows what meds you take. They're the only person who knows your medical history. They're the only person who... One of the things that um, kept me around for a long time, for sure, was that they were the only person who knew what happened the night that my dog passed away. And I'm not going to get into details because it's horrific, but they're the one who came to help me when that happened. And so they came that night. They saw me screaming and upset. They saw me alone with my child. They saw my dog. They took care of my dog for me. 
they saw the trauma and that is actually when they made their move. Like a week after that, they were like, Hey, are you okay? Let's meet up. I want to just make sure you're okay. Blah, blah, blah. But they were the only other person in the entire world who was there that night and who knew. And so it was like, we have this shared understanding of how horrific this was, which in reality, they probably were just like, all right, I'm just going to pick up this dog. This lady's going crazy. I don't know. Okay. What can I get out of this? Right. If you know, you know, and sometimes when I say things like that, I feel like people are going to be like, you are so paranoid and you're making this up. But if, when you've been in these situations, you come to realize that that's how it is, right? That's just how it is. So they're using it against you. This thing that popped up, um, and it all comes down to, again, control, keeping you in place where they have you, keeping it so that they can continue to enjoy the control that they have had over you, keeping you confused, keeping you, um, keeping you quote unquote incapable of doing the things that you really are capable of doing. You're, you're kept small. Um, it's unfortunately an incredible tool, um, to use someone's I'm going to use the word problems because that's how society views it. That's not how I view it. I don't view my ADHD as a problem. Sometimes it feels like a problem, but like this is who I am. Right. Um, and I don't view you having an injury from tennis, a problem, although it might feel like it. I don't view your autism or your MS or whatever as a problem. It's a struggle that we have to deal with, but like, that's how they're seeing it is like your problems are now for me to be able to torture you with. So I hope this episode wasn't too triggering if you listened to it and I was giving examples and saying things and you're like, oh no, oh my gosh, like I hate this because sometimes even to this day I'll hear something and it'll just like hit me because it's like you kind of had forgotten about it and it sucks. Um, the good thing about it is that we can then try to try to work through that, but I hope that this was helpful for you to hear um, and to be aware of um, that this is a tool that abusive people will use. Um, again, it's a very easy one because it's not something that we can help. Yes. Some people will take medicine. Um, some people will have like, maybe it's a temporary, you know, sickness or temporary injury and things like that. So you, you, you come out the other side and you're, you know, you don't have that anymore, but it's not something we can help. It's not something we asked for. We didn't ask for neurodivergence. We didn't ask for childhood trauma. We didn't ask for any of that. And so, you know, it's not something that we can just be like, okay, well, I'm just going to do away with that. And then, you know, you won't treat me this way anymore. The only way to not have that happening anymore is to do away with that person. So obviously that's the goal of all of my content is to help you remove yourself from these situations. It's very difficult. So I will never say just leave, but to start arming yourself with the knowledge and the information you need to get out of these relationships so that you can be surrounded by people who love you for exactly who you are and aren't going to torture you because they came home from working out and you left a cupboard open or you left the salt out on the counter or whatever. We do not deserve that. We deserve so much more than that. Um, so if you're still experiencing this, um, uh, just know that you're not alone and know that you will be out of this someday. Um, I feel that for you. Like, I know, I don't know you. I don't know who's listening, but I know that you will get out of this someday. You're putting in the work, you're listening to the podcast. Um, and I'm very proud of you. And also again, very thankful. On that note, um, a couple pieces of information. Like I said, if you're listening, you already know I'm a certified trauma recovery coach. I offer 30 and 60 minute, um, sessions. And I also offer a six week ongoing package. If you're ready to put in the work with me, I also do a monthly LGBTQ plus support group. It's one Saturday a month. 
Um, it's been incredible. We have been very thankful for the turnout that we've had so far. Um, I host it with my friend Trey De La Torre um, from I was like yo underscore Trey. Um, and we are just very thankful to be able to offer um, a resource that we did not have when we were coming out of our first queer relationships, which were abusive. Um, those are all on my website, thelindsaygoodman.com. I said this last week, but I now have separated my TikTok and my Instagram accounts. I know it's kind of confusing, but I now am the Lindsay Goodman. That's my personal accounts um, where I'm just talking about life and travel and my kids and my feelings and things like that, my kid. Um, and Lindsay Goodman coaching on TikTok and Instagram is now where you will find the trauma recovery content. So whatever you need from me, it doesn't have to be all of it, wherever you feel like you want to support or learn or whatever, um, that is all over there. That said, if you like this podcast or if you're on YouTube, please rate, review, excuse me, please rate, review, subscribe. Um, it means a lot to me. I always read the reviews. Um, obviously I want to get my podcast into the ears of the people who need it the most and your interaction with it really does help. So please do that. If you have a couple minutes, go over there, give it a five-star review. If you like it, um, it means the world to me. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, please do something nice for yourself and drink some water. I'm going to drink some too, because as you can hear, I'm struggling. I will see you all next week.